Welcome to this bonus episode of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC anime universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And uh, we're taking a, a bit of a detour this week because I finally caught up on Young Justice season three. Yes. And there is <clears throat> so much to talk about. Even uh, though it's not, even though this is only the halfway point. This that's is only true. The yeah, it's, it's only halfway through, um, mm-hmm. but a pretty good half season so far. We, we were talking, I guess it would have been last week, last episode about what's better, DCAU or Young Justice. Um, the more I watch Young Justice, the more I'm kind of inclined to say Young Justice. I, I think I've come to realize it's a very different structure they've gone for, and I, I like this structure a yes. lot. Yes, and, and especially season three feels so similar to JLU now because there it are does, so yeah. many people. Yeah, and it, it in the same way that by the time we get to JLU, they finally expanded that universe so that we're doing these kind of offshoot episodes and focusing on more characters and not just on the, the core team. Young Justice has done that, but a lot faster. Like, that was already mm-hmm. kind of the case in season two, and I feel like season three, they've really done that. It's faster, and they're all connected. Yeah, that's true. Like, the the ongoing story arcs, which is pretty good. And yeah. even, like, the the tangential episodes still have pieces. The kind of bottle episodes still have well, elements. What I think helps is, uh, contrasting from JLU, Young Justice, even if it's a tangential episode, there's still at least one core member in every group. Mm, that's so true. even when yeah. they're off on uh, uh, Bug World, whatever, I forgot what that's called, where Forager is from. New Genesis? Oh, that is New Genesis. New My Genesis, bad. yeah. Oh, I forgot. So, so I'm watching this having like a, like a month and a half break from the last time I watched an episode. Because the season ended a, like a month ago, right? Did it? No, I feel like it ended like a few weeks ago, right? That, that a month is four weeks. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Because <laughs> maybe it was three. Because it, 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 there's a two week break between Young Justice and Doom Patrol. This was the first. So maybe three weeks ago. Okay. I mean, I literally finished watching it this morning. Yeah. So so, so I have I my my. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. January twenty fifth. So it's been basically a month. Yeah. yeah. Since. Okay. Um, <laughs> I finally so caught up. Also, thank you for keeping all of this contained. It like it must have been difficult. it must have been killing you to not be able to talk about this for for a month. So my apologies. It yes. took me so long to finally get caught up on it. Well, it's not even just a month. I started watching this January third. Oh, that's true. So it's been <laughs> it's been almost three like months almost two, of me trying no, to keep two this months. Quiet. Almost two months. It was still in February, Cameron. Yes, we're almost done with February. But that's if we're done with February, that's two months. That's what I said. You said three months. I said, did I? I yes. No, I said almost two months. Mm, it's not important. Mm, no, I think we should spend the rest of the episode arguing about whether you said two or three. When they're on Bug World. I forgot what was... Uh, new Genesis. It's New Genesis. Because oh, it's... They're, they're not up in... Like, the only New Gods character that we see really is Orion. And yes. even then, it's not actually Orion, as we come to discover. Mm-hmm. And even... Th- I think that episode... That one in Triptych, uh, which is a few episodes later, had the most, like, new people... Where yeah. they're just like, fuck you, we're not going to introduce anybody. If you don't know, you're not going to know. Yeah, I had to look up a lot of people to yeah, figure out who I they were. Yeah, and I kind of, like, how did you feel about that? I'm okay with it. Because that was one of my joys of JLU. Yeah. Was that was, the like, the birth of my fascination with DC Universe. I feel like when they need to explain who a character is, they do. And when they don't, that person's just off in the background. Yeah. Um, Like, in Triptych... Robin, the Tim Drake Robin, takes his team to go hunt down Mad Hatter. Mm-hmm. I'm like, we'll get to it. There's a cool couple cool characters in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was interesting just where we pick up with the universe now. 
So even looking at the Justice League, there's a two-year gap now from yes. uh, the last season to this Since one. Wally. Since Wally, yeah. Where's Wally? Um, and I... Right, and so much has changed. A lot has changed. The One of the first things I noticed is they've now given all of the Justice League characters their um, New 52 costumes. Mm-hmm. It's basically the same costumes they have in the, the New 52 animated stuff. And even the animation style seems a little bit closer to that a little bit, which I wasn't necessarily super keen on. I don't know. How, how did you feel about them just being like, we're going to use the character models from the DC. I mean, that, that was movies. probably a money saving move yeah. just cause you know, they don't have that cartoon network budget anymore. No, I, I was kind of, I, I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I also saw all these costumes before. Oh, okay. I didn't know that I, they were going to yeah, have cause, the new um, cause costumes. Uh, yeah. Cause I was in the panel at Comic-Con. That's right. The Young Justice panel where they in, introduced the new character. So I got to see, um, um, Brion and Halo and, mm-hmm. and Forager early. Everyone was very. We're gonna talk about Forager in a minute. Okay, I, I, have, I have some stuff to say about. about but the, at the time, everyone's new favorite boy. Yeah. At the time, did they also show the Justice League? They showed a couple of the new costumes. Okay. Um, but not. I guess not like the core members, because we saw Miss Martian, we saw Aqualad, and they had probably the biggest costume change. Yeah. I really don't like Aqua. Well, now Aquaman's. That's right. New costume. Yeah. That was one of the big things. Is so Aqualad is now Aquaman, mm-hmm. and one of the co-chairs of the Justice League. As of now, we don't know yet what happened to Arthur. Is I don't know if he's just retired and he's living down in uh, Atlantis. If he's dead or what, they haven't really explained. I know, and where it, he it's went. interesting that we don't hear from him, but we do have an episode that fo- focuses on Ocean Master. That's true, yeah. Uh, and just no mention of, of yeah, cause the I other think, side of it. Because when, in the first season, when Calder goes back to Atlantis, Orm is there mm-hmm. at Arthur's side, and he seems to be a good guy. And then we also see he that Ocean Master is part of the light, and if you know who those characters are, you know they're one and the same. So I, I guess at some point... Wait, wait, was he was Orm in the big battle at the end of season two, when it's finally, like, when the the team finally surprises the light. Was Orm there? I don't think so. I don't remember him being there. Because I don't remember ever seeing both Orm and Mantis, um, uh, and Black Manta together. Yeah, so at some like point... They're, they're always fairly apart. Yeah, and I don't know if it happened between the, the five-year gap or the two-year gap, but at some point, clearly, Orm was found out as being a traitor and banished or whatever from Atlantis. We don't know what happened to him. We just know where he ends up, which we'll get to that. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you think about Aquaman's costume? Or even the fact that Aqualad is now Aquaman? Or even the fact that he's basically sidelined almost entirely in this season? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a lot to say because he... Cause he's we, gone. We like, don't see him... I don't think we see him after episode one. Uh, no, we see him again at the end of Triptych. Okay. When they're running through the different uh, missions. He's there. Okay. In the cave. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with it. I love seeing the character growth. Yeah. That everyone's kind of going through in their own way. It is interesting, uh, kind of going back to, to our improv days, I was always yelled at for telling, or for showing not, or no, telling, telling not, not showing. showing. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like they're doing that a lot in this series when you do have these time jumps, is they're just telling us things have changed, but not really showing us. Yeah, they're not going into what happened necessarily. Which but I, that I'm, also leaves room for, you know, flashbacks in the in 
in future episodes. Yeah, like when we get to the Beast Boy episode towards the end of the season, that's when we finally kind of learn oh, what happened to him in the episode. interim. And I'm kind of okay with this sort of lack of explanation a little bit. It just gives you that sense of this is a world that's just constantly evolving. Yeah, it's, it's constantly yeah, it's always moving. Yeah, yeah. And so we're we're just kind of catching up, and we're only really focusing on the the big things, and everything needs an explanation. Um, but yeah, it's like uh, the league are all in new costumes. Uh, a lot of the league, including Superman and Wonder Woman, are deployed. Uh, across the galaxy kind of on like peacekeeping missions but also it sounds like they're still dealing with the repercussions of uh their attack on rambor right uh yeah wherever that yeah more yeah whatever place they went to for that 16 hours the end of season one Mm -hmm. like they're still dealing with that and now lex luther is um like the but the the secure he's head of the un basically yeah he's head of the un uh, he un sec, uh secretary general okay that's right yeah and he keeps basically putting on tighter and tighter sanctions on the justice league so they can do less and less work mm-hmm. and then eventually batman decides to leave and well i mean what because of that there's a new rampant metahuman trafficking sir yeah uh syndicate going around the world yes Exactly. And they can't really, the Justice League can't really do much about it. So Batman steps away and he doesn't ever refer to it as Batman Inc., but Black Lightning refers to it yeah. as such. So that's basically what it's called. Um, yeah. There's a lot of new members. Like we, we have there's the a core. Uh, and there's a lot that I didn't even know. Like I had to, yeah. I had to do research now, like this morning to figure out who I forgot. Oh, same. There's a whole bunch of people that I had never heard of before. Uh, 13. Yeah, I had her there's on another here. magician. Uh, I think that's the only one I looked at. Hardware. Up. Was a character that shows up. I think he's part of Batman Inc. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Plastic Man has a weird new costume. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was Plastic Man at first because he looks so different. Uh, I was excited to see that the Batwoman's in there, even though we haven't really seen her do anything, but she's there. Yeah. So I love Batwoman. Uh, we got like Metamorpho, Arrowette. To oh, another- fucking Metamorpho. I'm so excited to talk about him. <laughs> I love him. He's so great. Much. I mostly know him from Justice League, but Same. I know he's a big part of Brave and the Bold too, right? Uh, not he has some a appearances big part. In he has, I think he has one or two episodes. Okay. Um, but yeah, ever, ever since JLU, I've loved his character. Yeah, I, I was glad to see him in there. Uh, Arrowette, who I'm not really familiar, familiar with, but like a new protege for Green Arrow. Yeah. Um, I, an well, actual I think comic just character. Like, I, I want just like a minute of dialogue between him and, or between Green Arrow and Batman just being like, what sidekick are you on? Yeah, no. Like, I, <laughs> I, I, I feel like Arrow is just getting more and more sidekicks to keep up with Bat Inc., that's true. I think actually has Arrow had more sidekicks at this point? Or are we counting clones? Yeah, so I'm gonna say he had Speedy, Red Arrow, like Speedy slash Speedy Part Two, Red Arrow, mm-hmm. uh, Artemis. Yeah. Now Arrowette. So that's mm-hmm. four. But I guess Batman's had first Robin, second Robin, third Robin, Batgirl. I don't know if we really count like spoiler or orphan or some of the other I would count spoiler. But I mean, uh, because that, that's historically Stephanie. Yeah, but she usually isn't super tied with Batman, per se. She's usually kind of her own vigilante operating in the background. At, at this point. Yeah. But before, she was a Robin. Uh, yeah, but I don't know if she was... I, don't, I mean, the implication in this series, at least, is that she's never been a Robin. Yeah. Um, also, I just realized, we two characters we have not yet seen at all, Huntress and The Question. Oh, The Question. I know. I would love to see it. He doesn't really fit in this... No, world, though, and they got so much to because do in do, JLU. Yes, but I think the the thing with him was he was our 
point of view into the world of the villains. Yeah. Now that we have, like, we know who the light is. Mm, it's true. We don't need a question. Yeah. Like, there's no greater mystery. About, That's true. There's no conspiracy. Vandal and dark side. Yeah. We're looped into the conspiracy at this point. So yeah. There's no room for the it, question. It's just, uh, like, a bro battle of who is more immortal. Oh, between Vandal, love, Savage, like, and Darkseid? Yeah, I love, they like, a, that's what's keeping Earth alive is, like, just a big dick... Big like, dick contest yeah, between big dick contest, yeah. these immortals. Yeah, they have a really interesting dynamic. Um, but, yes, the League's in a whole new place. And then even the original team, which I guess is just referred to as the team. It's never called... It doesn't have its own distinct name, as far as I I don't think tell. it's ever had a name. No. Um, but even that's a lot different. So it seems like when we start out, Superboy and McGann are retired, more or less. Like, oh, I guess McGann's leading the team, yes. technically. Um, and then, so Artemis is now living with Roy, who now calls himself Will. Yes, yes. So, so, so I broke them down, because we're going to talk about this episode. Yeah. Uh, Will is the original clone, uh, the one from season one who married Cheshire. Yes, Red Arrow, and they have a daughter named Leanne. Yes. Mm-hmm. Jim, who I missed this one. Jim is the former Guardian. Yes. Who is a clone. And who was in charge of Cadmus security from season they one. They never explicitly stated that he was a clone of Roy Harper. Like, they just referred to him as his uncle in the first season. And then in season two, he makes reference to learning he was a clone as well. And mm-hmm. it's kind of implied that he's another Roy Harper clone. Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, someone someone even says when they first meet him, they're like, you look a lot like our friend. Yeah, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm his uncle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, And then Roy Harper is Arsenal, who's, who's the original Roy who lost his arm. Yeah. Because I, because that that made me very confused. <laughs> I know there's too many of them. there's too many Roy's, so so yeah. So they're all like living together. Not all the clones, but Will, aka yes. the former Roy, and Artemis are living together. Um, not in a relationship, just living together. Because but, but people are questioning it. People are questioning. Weird. It is kind of weird considering that that's his sister-in-law. Yeah. So, but I mean, weirder shit has happened, I guess. That's true. Um, Beast Boy is now on Star Trek. Yes. Uh, thirty thirty sixteen. Oh, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. It's, what's it actually called? It's called Star... Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically like kind of Star Trek, kind of Galaxy Quest a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Barbara is now Oracle, too, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, and they, they, we, had, we don't know how she got in the wheelchair. Yeah, I mean, I think we can assume yes. how it happened. Um, interesting choice. They did that. I mean, I'm, I'm glad I've always liked Barbara as Oracle. Um, it's kind of cool to see her in that role. Mm-hmm. But... Um, also interesting that we meet Cassandra Kane, but she's not the new Batgirl. She's called Orphan. Yes. So it's a little interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, like they really kind of push a lot of those other characters off to the side. Like the last season focused so much on Blue Beetle. He's in it for what one episode? He has a yeah. He's he's just in it on New Genesis. That's right. Yeah. So he just kind of pops up there for a bit. Um, static. Static is there. But just he's, in he's, episode he's, one. Yeah, he's pushed aside because Black Lightning takes the stage in the season. Yeah, because uh, season two ended with Black Lightning basically saying, I'll be your mentor. Mm-hmm. And then this season opens with Black Lightning accidentally killing, killing a child. Uh, yeah, accidentally killing a teenager like who's been turned into a metahuman and he decides to leave and is a part of the Outsiders. And when he does, he basically tells um, Virgil, like, hey, sorry, I can't be your mentor anymore. So he's pushed off to the side. We get... Brief moments of Impulse, who's now Kid Flash, mm-hmm. um, but even not a lot with him. I'm trying to think who else was major in season two that just really isn't here. Kind of most everybody, actually. Yeah, I, they 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 really did a, que- a clean sweep. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Dick still features prominently. 
Mm-hmm. And then Superboy's... Oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> On this DC Universe streaming service. <laughs> uh, there so, are no rules here. So racy. Um, and then Superboy's around, but he's... He doesn't have a lot to do necessarily, but he's always present. He's part of he, the team. He's, yeah, he's he's like the... Not the guiding father figure, but he he's kind of the... He's, he's kind of the, the security guard of the group. He's like the enforcer. Yeah, he, he's the bouncer. Yeah. He's and just it, fixing motorcycles on the side. It's great. Yeah. I, I also love, too, that he's always wearing a, that Superman shirt. Yeah, it's the only shirt he owns. But he, I mean, he, he owns many of them, though. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, because they constantly rip. I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the fact that he's always shirtless. I'm sure you are. <laughs> We've talked about the fact that it's weird, but okay to be sexually attracted to a cartoon yeah, camera. Yeah, fine. <laughs> Superboy just keep losing that shirt all he wants. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so we're kind of got this whole... So this is the setup. <laughs> this is the setup. This is just explaining <laughs> is where we start. <laughs> yeah. But basically, I guess Dick, since he left the team at the end of season two, has been trying to hunt down these like this many human trafficking thing. Mm-hmm. And so the first mission takes them to... Uh, uh, Markovia. Yes. Where the, the king and queen have recently been murdered. Yes. Uh, by a meta. Uh, and so now there's a kind of a, a giant outlaw of like, what do we do about metas in our country? What do we do about the refugees that are coming from? Oh uh, yeah. The Karaki refugees. Karaki, yeah. Uh, so Karak was the country next to, or is the country next to Markovia. And that's where Beast Boy and his mom were living in season one, right? Weren't they yes, in which is still being led by, uh, the, the, no, Bialia uh, is being led so, by... Yeah, yeah, Bialia. Yeah, is, so Bialia is, is led by Queen Bee, and Bialia is basically just, like, fucking shit up left and right, and so there's a whole bunch of Karaki refugees who are going into Markovia. Yes. So, yeah, I think Karak sort of has... Um, it, it is, I'd say, more on, like, the... Um, like, a Middle Eastern country, and then Markovia would be Eastern European, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. So, like... But yeah, you can Mar- tell from the indistinguishable accent. Yes, exactly. Uh, that weird accent they have. But it basically, yeah, there's, like, multiple things going on in Markovia. There's, like, the metahuman crisis and also a refugee crisis. Yeah. It's, like, talking about some actually pretty serious shit. Yeah, I mean, th- this is a very adult show now. Yeah, and also just very contemporary in the places it's going, which I like. I like that it's actually kind of addressing serious stuff kind of head I, on. I'm really curious how this show uh, rates in countries closer to this crisis. Because, like, as an American, mm, yeah. we're loosely aware of what's going on. Yeah. Well, but we're also America, so we're very oblivious to it all. Yeah, like, it, yes, that's fair. I, I mean, I guess the the United States parallels would be, like, yeah, international refugees and then also, obviously, like, the border with Mexico. I think there's some relevance going on. Is something going on there? No, there's actually nothing going on. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> I mean, there's a state of emergency. There's nothing going on there. So we're not going to get into it. <laughs> but no, 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 let's get into it. <laughs> Forget cartoons. Let's talk politics. Let's talk cartoon politics. <laughs> Lex Luthor is running America. Right. Um, but okay, so did you know, I didn't realize that Tara, who will eventually come into the picture, was kind of connected to the Markovian royalty. And I didn't know that like Geoforce and Markovia and Bedlam and all these other things, Halo, these were all existing characters specific to the Outsiders comics. I didn't know that going in. I don't know if you knew that I, at all. I also learned that this morning. Yeah. When I was like doing research, like, are these characters from the comics? I'm assuming they are. I didn't know anything about them. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I guess in, so in the comics, Terra is um, 
the result of the king of Markovia having an affair with an American woman. And so Tara's raised in America. Yes. In this version, she's an actual full-on royal member of the family who years ago was kidnapped and was believed to have possibly been a meta, and that's why. And so her brother, Brion, is trying to track her down. Yes. So much going on. I know. It's hard to talk about the show because there are so many storylines going on at the same time. And... The first few episodes especially have to do a lot of setup in mm-hmm. terms of where the world is now, what's going on in Markovia, who Brion is, who Terra is. It actually took me like Who half, Halo is. Who I mean, Halo the whole, is. That's the whole... Like, we don't know Halo's identity until episode 12. Oh, yeah. Cool. That's true. It takes us a long time to get there. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I didn't I didn't really love those yeah, you, first yeah, few you, episodes. Yeah, you messaged me during... What was it? Was I it? had just finished uh, not trespass, but um, rescue was. op. Yes, I finished rescue op, and that's when I kind of got into it. But I think that's I didn't actually write the numbers down. But that's that's like a good halfway through the season. Uh, so and it starts uh, episode three is Harper's, episode four is Mission Away or Away Mission, episode five episode five rescue op. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Took me. Okay, yeah. So it took me. Uh, I did love private security though. That yeah, private security. With, like, the A line is maybe my favorite, like, comedic storyline. It's so good. And the B line, I wish was a full episode because I would, because that's, um, that's also when we see Zatanna Zatara. Oh. And, like, I, I didn't feel the same, like, emotional punch as I felt, like, in, in emotional stuff from season one and two. Yeah. And I think it is because it was kind of pushed to the side for a more comedic storyline. Yeah. It, it, it was. Totally a little inconsistent with the rest of the episode, but they're both really great storylines. Yeah. Um, and also with Halo just kind of being the question machine yeah. at, this time, at this point still. She's an interesting character because... So Halo's an actual character from the comics. Yes. And in the comics, the character's name is Violet Harper, which is the name that Halo adopts mm-hmm. um, in but, this But story. she also goes by um, whatever name they gave her in the beginning. Um, like her actual name? Yes. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, so on the Wikipedia, it said she, had, she goes by two names. So I guess her, like, incognito name. Oh, well, wait, no, so her real name's Gabrielle Dow. Yes. But when she dies the first time, like, Gabrielle, like, dies. Mm-hmm. And then when she comes back, Artemis starts calling her Halo. Yes. So she goes by Halo, and then, I forget who called her Violet. Does Brion call her Violet? Brion calls her Violet. Yeah, yes. and then she becomes Violet. So I guess, yeah, she has no, a yeah, no, I, I know. I know in this show that happens. I'm saying in the comic. Oh, in the comics there's multiple names? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, so in the comic she goes by both of those names. Oh, okay. I just, uh, okay, I missed that part. I just saw that she was Violet Harper and that she combines this thing called Oracle, which is this like ancient light thing. Mm -hmm. I liked they changed that in this. Um, I like that she's basically like part mother box. Yeah, that that was interesting. And And it gives Cyborg a lot more purpose now because he is part father box. Yeah, which... I don't know in, I feel like after the New 52 and they changed his origin to be tied to Apocalypse, I don't know if he was ever connected to a father box. I feel like he was mother box tech, right? I I believe so. Yeah, like I've, I've only started hearing father box more and more through this show, I think. Yeah, I don't know if I'd ever heard of a father box before this. I think I'd heard it once that that was the Apocalypse version. Apocalypse version of it, yeah. I guess mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like even in... The DCAU, they still refer to both of them as mother boxes. Yes, they do. So that's part of my confusion. I, I've never really liked that change to Cyborg's origin. Yeah. That he's a tied to Apocalypse. I think 
I think it's done particularly cl- in a clunky manner in the films, mm-hmm. in the live action movie, in Justice League. In the direct to DVD animated movies, I just don't really care. But I've never, I, even in this, they do a pretty good job with it, but I'm still not. I kind of just prefer him as being just a normal cyborg. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense for these storylines. Yeah. Because, like, you know, the dad, you, you have to fit in the dad well. Um, and him kind of being just like the chief cybernetics officer. I guess it, it would still make sense. Yeah, you could still do it the old way. I guess it does make sense here because so much of the story is tied to Apocalypse mm-hmm. that it makes sense for him to be there. So I mean, it's a simplification in some ways of his origin. Yes. It's, it's like it's a complication in the vein of doing something more simplistic. And I thought with Halo, it was just flat out a more simplistic and kind of cleaner origin. Um, and I just think she's a really interesting character. Like I'm not necessarily super keen on Brion. I think because he's just sort of deliberately obnoxious. Well, it's I mean it's it's just Superboy again. We we've seen yeah. this story arc, and I yeah. think that's why we're just kind of bored with it because we've like we've seen it for two seasons already. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's just, yeah, he's just kind of like treading the same water over and over again. Whereas I felt like Halo was much more interesting. Okay, so this is an interesting question for you. So how do you feel like Halo fits in with the born sexy yesterday trope? Like, do you think that she defies it mostly? Or, like, defies the negative aspects of it mostly? Well, I think the trope of Born Sex Yesterday is is connected more to the ordinary male side of it. Well, like, I mean, yes, yeah, to the male gaze. Yes. But it's still a framework for female characters that have superpowers and, like, no memory and are, mm-hmm. like, really naive and childish. Yeah. W- with her, I don't... I didn't even I didn't notice it as much. No, I mean the I thought think, only just now came to me. Yeah, I, I think so, I think because Brion, like, she isn't the centerpiece of Brion's world. That's true. Where in most Born Sexy Yesterday tropes, they are like the movie we're going to talk about later uh-huh, in this yes. episode. Um, but but yeah, I, I didn't really notice it because it is more of a subtle thing. Yeah, she's more of her own distinct character, and I think it's also different because it's amnesia. Yeah. And like there are because a lot of the story isn't teaching her the world. Mm-hmm. It's making her remember the world. And I think that it's, it's it's kind of the same thing, but it's you can play it off just different enough. Yeah. Well, also, she's not sexualized. Yeah, that's also very true. Which is part of it, which I mean, there are times some of the the outfits of the women characters is like, why? Why is it that way? I think this show is better than a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought it was they do at least a nice job with her about making her just like a normal character. I also love that she has a hijab. Yeah. Too. I thought that's just a really cool inclusion. Like, and it, and it felt, it felt kind of impactful when she took it off. Yeah. That was a really nice moment towards the end. Um, when she like lets the, the doctor like brush her hair and she wants Victor to leave and stuff. And like, mm-hmm. she, she even says like, she just feels more comfortable with it on. And it's just like, no, I like this. It's like, okay. Yeah. Cool. We're just gonna do your yeah, thing. We, we don't need to go into it. Yeah. Like, it's great. I like her a lot. I, I wasn't... Good job, guys. Yeah, well done. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the first three or so episodes are just kind of setting up all this stuff. And mm-hmm. um, there's basically a way that you can activate the metahuman gene by going into this like weird tar thing. And so it may have happened in the past to Tara. It happens to Brion. It happens to his... Or no, his uncle already did it. 
Yes. Who is also a character from the comics. Yeah, Baron Bedlam. Yeah. So in that, he's not actually part of the royal family, I don't think. In this, he's the brother of the queen. Yes. And he ends up taking over the crown temporarily because... Because the Brion, older brother is is not 18 yet. Yeah, but then the older brother basically just says, nah, get the fuck out. Yeah, it's like, nah, I can, it's, I'm a month away. I'll just exactly. do it. I'm, I'm going to just do this. Yeah. Um, also, you're crazy. He is crazy. He's just an insane man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so Brion gets his power. Also, the Dr. Jace, too, is a character from the comics. Okay. I didn't know that one. Yeah. I just kind of... I, I don't know why I assumed that a lot of these were original characters. They're pretty much none of them original characters. They're all pulled from the comics. Somewhere. Yeah. Even, yeah, because that's what this show is so good at. And, and also what JLU was so good at. It's yeah. like bringing in these characters that feel so new because they've never had spotlight on them before. Yeah, they're just so obscure. Mm-hmm. Um, like even the the doctor, I forgot to write his name down, who is working with Dr. Jace to activate the metagenes in Markovia. That's oh, also uh, a villain. Like, is like it's like double X or something like that. Oh, Dr. Yeah. X, like he's got a, a villainous alter ego they just don't even use. But even yeah. like that little inclusion is really nice. But yeah, those first few episodes are basically just giving powers to Halo and Brion, connecting them with this new team that's forming, and then kicking them out of the country so now they have to go stay with... Superboy and McGann. Yes. Yeah. So it takes a while to get through that. And once we get through that, then it starts picking then, up. They, yeah. When we get to private security, which as we, I think we both agree is probably the best episode of the season. It's so much fun. Cause it's, it's the episode where nothing has been, I mean, besides the three characters, nothing has really been put in motion yet. Yeah. And so they can, it's, it's just a straight up side episode. Yeah. It's like, it's like, Hey, I'll help you. But you have to help me first. I'm doing a delivery. You don't have to be superheroes for it. I'm just security. Because I forget and what it's going to be. All the Harpers together. I forget what Nightwing even needs from them. Because whatever he needs is taken care of in like two minutes at the very end, if that. He needs something from them basically. So he goes to Will, who now runs a private security company, and I feel like, oh no, he he wanted them for like a like a secret ops mission. Because they're the only, like, because Will is the only one that could fill Wally's place. Because this is the episode where we also realize Dick is still grieving right. in his own way. Well, yeah, so, but I forget what the, the like, the on-paper reason for him going to Will yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, um, But basically, all it, what it does is it puts Dick together with the three Roy clones to go and just basically oversee a shipment of VR goggles. Yeah, which just then, be bros. Yeah, just to hang out, which are then like hijacked by Brick and his gang. And it's just really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm impressed that the the three Roys all feel similar, but are given enough personality. Like, they're all a little bit snarky and sarcastic, um, but they still feel distinct. Yes. And this is a really funny episode. It's so good. But like you said, though, it has that emotional undercurrent of not only is Dick not like he's still kind of actively resisting the idea of having a team and it's all tied together his grief for Wally that he lost Wally and he's just not really ready to be part of a team again. Mm -hmm. Like you said, he's looking for someone to kind of fill that shoe, like fill the shoes of someone who knows him well. Yeah. And then that's the only one like besides aqua lad man, who's now too kind of too busy for him. Yeah. He's off running the league. Yeah. And, And also from Dick's perspective, like Dick turned his back on him in a sense Turned his back on Aqualad? Yeah. Oh, by leaving at the end of season two? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, he, he could see it that way. Like, he could see himself, like, I can't go to him because I told him I don't want to be a part of this anymore. That's true, yeah. It would be tough to go back. Yeah. 
So he just goes off to go get Roy. It's just, it's so funny. They're yeah. all their interactions. And then, like you mentioned, too, the, the B story is we realize that uh, for one hour a year, Nabu so takes rough. the helmet off of Dr. Fate and mm-hmm. Zatanna and Zatara are reunited. For an hour. For an hour. It's, it's, a, it's a really, it's a very sweet, but it's a very heartbreaking moment. That's the only time they get together. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad they brought it back around again. Yeah. That would be a really easy thing for them to just kind of move forward and be like, oh, you know, it's been seven years. They've kind of gotten over it. They've established this new norm. And, like, the pain continues on for mm-hmm. Zatanna all the time. Plus, I love Zatanna. Me too. She's always been one of my favorites. Yeah. And I think this incarnation for her in particular is great. Yeah. Um, And so to have that come back around is really sweet. Um, And then, so Artemis and Halo are kind of there hanging out in the background. Halo's not quite sure why, because they're actively giving their distance. Well, at first, Halo is there because um, Artemis wants Dr. Fate to try and bring her memories back. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, And so Halo thought like, oh, if we're only here for that, why are we staying? Yeah. And, and then, and then the helmet comes yeah, off. When the helmet goes back on, and Zatanna's left alone again, she's like, "Oh, that's why we're here. We're yeah. here for this moment to be there for for Zatanna." And it's really, really sweet. Oh man, uh, yeah, I really like that episode. Yeah, and then and that's when we first learned that she's an old soul. Yeah, there's an old soul summer trap. Which now. It would, yeah, which is a kind of the the show is so good because there's so many little things that you only understand on rewatch. Yeah, uh, like in. Uh, when I, I remember rewatching the very first episode, Independence Day, um, and Roy has a throwaway line when they're walking up to uh, the hall, mm-hmm. where he's like, "Oh, I was born to be in the Justice League." Oh, and you're like, "Oh shit!" Because he's the clone, he's and the he clone. was. I mean, that that's the thing is the storytelling in this show is so intricate, and all these little seeds are planted along the way. Because mm-hmm. there were definitely stuff I picked up more the second time around, like um, all the little references to McGann's past I picked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'd forgotten a lot of the stuff involving Roy, and so I missed some of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, like, it's a show that you really can't just kind of keep going back to again and again. And it, it, I, I also remember after rewatching season one and two, there was some, like I was in a conversation with someone, and I, and I did my own, like, hello, Megan, this oh. is so dumb. <laughs> and someone looked at me, and they're like, who are you talking to? Yeah. It's not important. I'm sorry. Just ignore that I said that. Uh, I used whelmed yesterday. And Good. <laughs> I want to bring whelmed in. <laughs> so just give this look like. I was in a, what? I was in a, a, a meeting that I sent you a photo of that I'm yeah. probably going to talk about on the podcast. Nope. Uh, where I, I said, uh, I said like it crashed <laughs> and, and Can like crashed the one, mode. one person got what I was talking about yes. and I'm like, all right. It's always worth it for the one person that gets it. Yeah. Always. I, I think it's like, I'm like, it's like crash, man, crash. It's a crash. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, private security is great. And then after that's a way mission, which it's kind of the, the first episode where it's Megan leaving, leading the team again. Mm-hmm. And this time they go to new Genesis. Um, and it's also our first kind of unfinished storyline. Uh, kind of harboring back to how season one is laid out and telling stories because we meet her brother. Yes. And he's now just, he's still there. Like he, he's still one of the, the people kind of purchasing these metas. Yeah. They, we don't, Oh, I see what you mean. It's unresolved story arc for season three so far. We yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sorry, back sorry, to sorry. yeah. Cause yeah, we introduced him. So this is the, the young Justin version of, um, Malefic. 
who was the bad version of Jean in Justice League Doom. Okay. So yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes. So in other versions, usually he is um, the twin brother of John Jones. In this case, the twin brother of Megan. So he's a white Martian. Yes. Um, what was his, it was like uh, McCon. I think was his name. Yeah, because I, I remember seeing it. I'm like, oh, it's just Connor. Oh, is it? No, I mean, no. That's just how I remembered it. Oh, okay. But it's it, like M apostrophe C O N N. Okay. Yeah, because he McCon he's one of the people trafficking metahumans. Um, throughout the galaxy mm-hmm. and yeah was, well, because he was promised by by the light no he he was in contact with someone that said uh they would fund or they would help defend oh, they would the help white, start a rebellion yes. on mars for the white martians against the green martians and the red martians is it red martians yes Did we they? haven't seen yet there are red martians apparently Fuck, i know these things i know I, I feel like I love the show, but I also love it even more because I'm like out of my element. Oh, yeah. And it's showing how much more I have to learn. Because you and I pretty knowledgeable about a lot of this stuff, but most of that knowledge for both of us comes from the DCAU yeah. and some comics. And we get to this and it's like, oh, man, these these cuts run deep. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I have to like have Google open. Yeah. Because I, I think I told the story. Uh, one of the first comics that I read growing up was uh, Final Crisis where every page is like 17 characters you haven't seen in 50 years. And you had to go look up all of them, right? Yes. I, I wasn't allowed to turn the page until I researched every single person. <laughs> My God, that takes I think it forever. took me like a weekend to get through an issue. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's super deep. And we also meet Forager, who I remember from JLU. It's either Jess League or JLU when they go to New Genesis. Okay. And he's got a similar kind of look. I love Forager. Forager's great. So, because in this version actually is a lot different than the version from the comics or from the DCAU. He's yes. he's much more bug-like. He's like four arms and he's got this exoskeleton. He's kind of big and round and um, scaly and stuff. But he's just got this weird quirky personality where they don't have pronouns. So he just always speaks in the first person. Third person. Third person, thank yes. you. And he's just super earnest all the time. He's like he's a character that it, when I met him, I loved him, and I got annoyed with him, and then I loved him again, and I got annoyed with him a little more. Yeah, but I love him again. I, I really love him. I love like the special relationship he has with the bioship. Yes, and he's just like and the, and Sphere as well. Like he's just made friends with the the sort of. But I mean that makes sense because he is from New Gen. He is from Bug World. Yeah, so he would which is, be which is where the with, mother box is from. Yeah, so he would be familiar with Sphere and stuff. It's, yeah. it's re- he's just really sweet, and he he gets his own glamour charm to look like a human. He goes to school and it's like, oh, yes. he's gonna have a real rough time in high school because he just keeps referring to himself as Red Bug with two G's. Hold on, hold on. So his, his first appearance was in Superman the Animated Series. What? No. Yeah, I, I'm reading his Wikipedia right now. Uh, in the episode Apocalypse Now Part Two. Oh, first appearance in the DCAU. In television, but yeah. yeah oh, in yeah. television, Sorry. yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's from, comics, yeah, I mean, yeah. he's from the, the the New Gods, the, the was it the Fourth World comics mm-hmm. from Jack Kirby way back in the day. Yes. So, but he's he's super fun. I, I think he's great. He's just, he's a nice counterpoint to the angsty nature of a lot of the other characters around him. Yeah. And he's just, he just wants to be yeah, friends the, with everybody the all show the time. Is, the show is really good at having like so many different types of characters. Like we already said Brion is kind of exhausting because we know that story, but yeah. we've, we've, we haven't seen a character like Halo before. No. I haven't seen a character um, like Forger before, who's just kind of the naive one. I mean, 
you can kind of put a through line between him and like the speedsters. Yeah, but he's kind of like comic relief. Enough. He's a little on the naive side. Yeah, and I think maybe that's one of the the real strengths of this show is that it it does evolve. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't operate in the status quo. It's constantly changing and evolving. And I guess if you you want that sort of consistency, you want the same cast of characters, it's a little bit of a letdown. But if you're open to just them constantly throwing new stuff at you and you can embrace it, it's really really good. Yeah, and yeah, I mean even in season two, like. We one of my favorite points, which we talked about last week, was when we meet all of the, what do they call themselves? Where it's, um, oh, bear from no, no, New no, Genesis, no, no, not New Genesis. Um, the the first round of meta kids, Virgil and Ty. Oh, and they never have a name. Like they almost they in, in the comics they have a name, but I don't remember what they are. Um, because they're not the outsiders. It's obviously this team. Yes, but yeah, it's so it's it's uh, yeah, it's what it's Virgil, it's Long Shadow. Um, then it's the, the Japanese girl and the son of the doctor. Yeah. I can't remember their names though. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like even them, they, they all had different motives, but yeah. Virgil was the most vocal of like, I'm not a runaway. Yeah. Uh, no, they're not the runaways. That's Marvel. Like I'm not a runaway. I, I was just caught walking home. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of wish we had more Virgil in this season. I mean, we're going to see him soon. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We'll get the, we'll You're going to be exhausted. We have to go in, to old school year. Virgil pretty soon. Yeah. Um, but no, so I liked Away Mission. And then uh, after that was Rescue Op, which is another one of my favorites. Um, because they're trying to track down Tara. Yeah. T- okay. Tara. Tara Markov. Brion's sister. Okay. The character Tara. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I, want, I wanted to say one more thing about Away Mission. Mm-hmm. Um, what I also love is it's it, we're, what, four episodes into season three and we're finally getting like a proper training sequence. Oh like, yeah. That, that amazes me that it took them three seasons to be like, okay, we finally have a new character with new powers. We're going to do a training montage. Yeah. Cause they did like sparring matches stuff here and there in the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. This they never done like a full on training montage. Yes. And then it also harbors back to teen Titans where we don't get a training montage until Tara joins. In, oh, that's right. Uh, season two. Teen Titan. Oh man, that's such a good episode. I missed I missed that Tara. I know. Well, I mean that like I'm a little upset that they gave away the spoiler already. I mean Cause like that I, was the best thing about But I think oh, they've already man. done it that way. I know, I just want to do it again. Before. Like I, I think th- this show is pretty good. But about... they've done it this way before too. <laughs> well yeah, but like I, I mean, I think the version of Tara most people know is from Teen Titans, the cartoon. And so they're kind of actively avoiding rehashing anything from that. Yeah, but it's so good. I know, but like it can't be done again. I know, Because like the heartbreak won't be there. Like you're better off just addressing it head on and having it be a a mystery. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so in in Rescue Womp, they're trying to track down Terra. And so they've learned that she might be in the hands of League of Shadows. And while they're waiting to plan a mission, Brion just says he's just going to go for it anyways. Fuck it, I'm out. Yeah, so he and Halo and Forager take the bioship out to Infinity Island where... Uh, Raza Ghoul lives. Track and down. Sensei. And they yeah, they get in a big awesome. they get in a big fight with Sensei, which is really fun. Um but for me the the best part of the whole thing though is when they're there, eventually Nightwing shows up to basically rescue his team and he fights a ninja. And I actually thought like, oh is this Damien? Because he's carrying a sword and mm-hmm. he kind of looks his attire is similar to to good old Damien Wayne. So I thought, oh maybe that's Damien. 
Um, and I thought that right up until the end when the team leaves and then Talia walks out holding a baby. I'm like, oh, fuck, no, that's Damien. Well, and also the, the ninja says Grayson. Well, that's exactly it. The, the, the ninja starts to, like, has memories coming back. And, you know, Rod's like, oh, I'm glad to hear your memories are returning. And he even makes a comment about how, you know, resurrections are not impossible. Mm-hmm. And so, like, oh, fuck, oh my it's, God, Jason. it's Jason. I know. It's Jason. I'm like, see, this is the sort of crazy shit that this show does. It just plants these seeds they probably won't even pay off for either of those things, maybe even until the oh, following season. I was going to say, yeah, that won't come back till season four. Yeah. Like, there's already so much other shit happening. Yeah, there's so much. This show just churns through stories so fast, but mm-hmm. it sets up so much stuff. I mean, they do that all the time. Like, even back in season one with the introduction of Garfield Logan, like, he does a blood transfusion, and then that's how he becomes Beast Boy later. And it's yeah. just like, oh, that was this amazing setup they had. And then in season three, we learn about that transformation. Yeah. Oh. Oh my god, we'll get there. Yeah. But um, yeah. I, I bet season four is gonna be all, is like all gonna be just siblings. So yeah, I think I bet it's gonna be uh, Macan and Jason. Oh, uh, okay. Like yeah, that could be interesting. Yeah, like parts. the family sort of ties coming in mm-hmm. there too. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff they're setting up that I, I don't think it's gonna pay off this season necessarily. And then uh, Ross says that he's no longer the head of League of Shadows nor part of the Light, which does seem to be true because we see the the seven new members the seven current members of the light mm-hmm. and he's not one of them right um because he doesn't lie that's true i, that, I do love that lie it's like raza ghoul has many things but he's not a liar yeah he has no reason to yeah and that's another thing where it's nice where the characters still already know each other because dick has been doing this now for well it's since he was nine and so and it's been four so he's been doing it for 11 years yeah so he would know Raw's backwards and forwards by now. Yeah. Uh, it's, I don't know. I, where, where they also have that that kind of rapport already of like, yeah, I'm leaving. Like, I don't, like, I know the drill. Yeah. And I he, know the whole honor thing. Yeah, I'm out. He, he's like, because when he shows up, his, Raw's like, oh, the detective would not be impressed. Not yeah. be pleased by what you're doing. It's like, oh, it's, it's, I just, I love Roz. I think he's really good in this. I also love that he's voiced by Miguel Ferrer, who does an incredible job. Mm-hmm. Um, super, super excited about that. Um, and then. The Here's ep- about what you think about the next episode. Oh, Evolution, which yes. is like the background of Vandal Savage. Which was really cool. I really enjoyed it. I did a lot too, actually. I thought that the, um, the storytelling technique was a little clunky, but more or less worked. Mm-hmm. And it's that, uh, his daughter, Cassandra, yes. Cassandra, uh, is given a, basically a data pad with why did I call it a data pad? This isn't Star Trek. She's given a fucking iPad. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's given it. She's, she's given, given a tablet. A, an Amazon fire. Exactly. Not, not yeah, a it's a, a Kindle. Yeah, yeah. An Amazon Kindle. Uh, actually, that's no, a Kindle. It doesn't matter. I forget. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> she's given an ebook reader. She's given a nook. Yes. Uh, to read through the history of Vandal Savage. And we learn that it's basically his original, his, his constant origin of he encounters this meteor um on earth and he's a neanderthal and that his whole species is wiped out and homo sapiens take over but what this also establishes that he's the first metahuman which i guess is kind of also true in most dc canons but the implication i read from this though was that all metas are descendants of him yeah well yeah because it was also kind of confirmed that he was all of the like conquerors from yeah, time. like he was Genghis Khan. Um, he was probably Alexander the Great too. They don't say mm-hmm. that specifically, but he probably was. Yeah. So it makes sense that his like genetic material just spread across the entire fucking planet. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> hold on, have you have you seen the um, the meme about Alexander the Great? No. The Alexander the Fine, like Fine period. The Alexander, it's 
it's okay period <laughs> oh like it just like it goes yeah. through history <laughs> yeah it's, uh it's it's the like the text replies of like the single word text like, yeah great it's okay it's fine <laughs> it's good uh, but because alexander that we're not talking about that right now alexander the meh yeah because <laughs> we learned with vandal that uh his kids all possessed meta abilities because in the 13th century dark side invades earth for the first time and that's where, like their bromance starts where like dark side basically vanquishes vandal like defeats him but he's like you know what you're pretty cool bud well he defeats like him but you. vandal doesn't die that's true and, yeah and we know that dark side's his, his his biggest want in the galaxy is how to kind of be the most immortal immortal yeah that anti-life equation yeah yeah so that's what it's called is that it's the point of the anti-life equation just to wipe out all life or is it to control all life I think it's to control life. I think, yeah. I forget exactly how that works. It's mm-hmm. not to kill everybody. I don't remember. There's too many versions of it at this point. Yeah. Uh, but I do love they have this kind of bromance. And that Vandal also has this history of fighting Starro. Because while we're learning the backstory of Vandal, there's an impending armada coming from space. And he doesn't want to alert the League, obviously, and none of his light cohorts are able to help him. So he just takes the war world to go confront it and eventually learn that it's just some random species that's controlled by Starro. Mm-hmm. And what I do think is super interesting about Vandal is that part of his ethos is to not waste life. Like, he's a conqueror, but he doesn't like to kill. Like, a life that is controlled to him is far more valuable than a life lost. Yes. And so there's even this sense of, as he's having to kill all these aliens... Although it's not explicitly stated, it's certainly implied that this is a regretful action for him. He's doing it because it's necessary, but he sees this as a huge waste. All of this technology, all these people, all these ships, all these resources are being wasted for nothing. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's just interesting. Like, it does paint him as a semi-altruistic figure. Yes. In well, there, there, So in, uh, in, in anime... Oh, there's a, <laughs> Let me just sorry. settle down for an hour sorry. here. Sorry. Uh, there's this idea known as power scaling. Do you, do you know what that is? No, but I'm assuming you're going to explain it to me. It, I mean, it's something that relates to this episode, which is why I'm bringing it up. I'm not just bringing it up out of the blue. Uh-huh. Uh, it's the idea of like, how do you continue a story uh, with bigger bads, but not make it repetitive? Okay. Um, you know, the, the biggest kind of problem show with, with, power scaling is dragon ball z so it's kind of an uh, addressing escalation kind of. yes okay. yes it's the escalate the escalation problem okay uh and i really like kind of this show where you do have the ground fights going on mm-hmm. where everything feels so grand but intimate yeah but then you have this episode or like oh no what they're doing means nothing right now because there's like a whole galactic problem going on yeah that they're like they're not even you know, we we're not even at the tip of the iceberg with what with what Dick is doing down here. Yeah, like it's so insignificant. Because well, Vandal, Vandal has these, like he even says, has these like millennia long plans. Yeah, for the world. And I thought what was interesting is uh, the origin of the light. That it was like the first time he and his daughter. I don't think it was Cassandra. I think it was a different daughter. No, okay, Cassandra's his youngest now. Yeah, um, a different daughter that they kind of when they first formed a group to fight dark side the rest of like humanity referred to them as the light yeah and so really he's been the light all the way through and just the the new incarnation he happens to be teaming with all the villains Mm -hmm. who have their own agendas um but i know i i quite liked it i also really loved the the little tag there at the end um 
Uh, oh no, sorry. It's Miguel Ferrer is the voice. Was the voice of Vandal Savage? She's passed away. It was a tribute to him. Um, oh wait, no, it's um, Odette Fair who does the voice of Ra's al Ghul. Yes, um, but I like they had that little in tribute, like tribute to Miguel Ferrer at the end because yes. there's a new voice for Vandal Savage, obviously. Um, I was also, it's a totally tangential thing, but I loved it too. Cause How we, dare you? we meet his other daughter, Olympia, mm-hmm. who's his kind of chronicler. And obviously she's ailing and her, her brain starts to go. And so there's that kind of slightly horrifying. Did you get to the part with the bear? Yeah. She just wants to keep talking about the bear that Vandal had to fight. Um, but he ends up killing her because he doesn't want his history record. Also, she's kind of ailing in his health. And it's this weird moment of like savage pain. Yeah. And like, but it's so hard, hard for him to do it. But what I love is that the, the voice of that character is Jennifer Lewis who you would know as Mama Odie from The Princess and the For Frog. The, yeah. Uh, but she also plays the grandmother, Ruby Johnson, on Blackish, which okay. I, I've seen most of the show. I'm about a season or two behind. She's fantastic. And she has like this very, this incredible career going back, but she's just hilarious, and I adore her, so I was just excited to see that. But no, I, I was impressed by that episode for being um, kind of a bottle episode about Vandal and having to do a lot of exposition, like mm-hmm. the most exposition heavy of any episode we've had so far. I yeah. thought it still actually worked pretty well. Do you do you enjoy? Do you find that daunting on a weekly show where we have kind of three episodes of action and then one episode of just exposition? Even though there was a lot of action in this episode, still. Yeah. Oh, like if I were coming to this week to week, would I find this episode frustrating to watch? Yes. If I didn't have the other episodes like immediately before and after to balance it, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit. Well, uh, they were also nice with this series. I think just because like. I don't understand what DC Universe was thinking, honestly. Okay. Because this was the show that was going to get the most hype for their streaming service. Yeah. Like, almost every... I mean, not we. I bought the service specifically for this show. That's true. Uh, but they condensed it to be half as long as Titans or Doom Patrol is starting to be. Oh, by doing three episodes at a time? Two yes. or three episodes at two, a time? Two two episodes at a time. Last one was three episodes. The last one was three. I mean, I didn't watch it that way, obviously. I, I, yeah. I watched it once it was all out in basically a binge. Like, I, I would just watch, like, four episodes at a time, four or five mm-hmm. episodes at a time. Um, I just find that so fascinating that, like, that they, they wouldn't want to just live in this show as long as possible. Of giving it a full, it out. yeah, giving you know you can do an hour long finale or mid season finale, but that's still twelve weeks compared to the fucking four. Yeah, got it all well, in. I mean, maybe I don't know why they chose to do it this way specifically. Maybe because they're only half hour episodes. It's kind of the same thing. Like they're basically doling out about an hour's worth of the content a week. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, maybe this is just complete guesswork. Maybe it's that they knew that this was going to get the biggest crowd coming in, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, the most people were going to sign up for the service in time to watch Young Justice. I think a lot of people didn't care about Titans. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, that's also, I think that's also why, strategically, they put it out after Christmas. Yeah. Because this is the Christmas gift. Yeah, pretty much. And so I think probably what they thought was, like, okay, well, we'll have people, like, get DC Universe for Christmas, like, it's for Christmas. We'll give them Young Justice, and then we'll, like, immediately start putting out more content. Because at this point, I mean, I don't know the numbers. I'm guessing they probably had a big surge in enrollment because of this show. Mm-hmm. And then now, like, hey, now that we've already got you, here's a bunch of new stuff, like, as fast as possible. I think it would have been smart for them uh, if they would have, this would have been the one they slightly overlapped. Where by episode, if they did it week by week, by episode 10 of 13, mm-hmm. um, they would immediately start playing Doom Patrol at the same time. But I mean, what does that, what does that gain them by doing? Because then you have fans that are going to stick. 
Because oh. once you're, you know, because now, all right, I finished Young Justice. I have to wait a week. I guess I'll watch Doom Patrol. Oh, I see. Being like, instead of being, it's over. Now I'm just going to cancel. But I guess by splitting up in two, though, people are going to stick around because they have to get the other half. No, no, no. I know that. I'm, I'm saying. But I see what you mean. Yeah, it, by episode like, 10, start Doom Patrol. So then people are kind of they're, interested. They're rolling into content that's already ready for them, not having to wait for new content to show up they may not be interested in. Yes. Uh, and then you can have kind of the two week to month long break after Doom Patrol for people to get hyped about Young Justice again. Because that's what's coming in. That's what's coming after. Yeah. Mm, I'm pretty excited for. I can't wait for more. I know. I want more. I wanted I more already. Um, and then after that, we had Triptych. Yes, which is kind of a weird episode. I I tried like I tried to remember anything about this episode. Okay, so and I, nothing was coming to me except it's, there's shade. There's like three vignettes. Yeah, and so I'm not going to go into the order they're shown in the episode. So chronologically, basically, what happens is um, Sportsmaster breaks out Shade from a prison convoy, um, and the it's we're also going to get to know very well in Static Shock. Shade. Yeah, oh, I forgot that he's a big part of Shade. That's yeah, right. he's one of the main villains. Oh, that's right. Um, I got really excited when I saw him. Wait, but is Shade a bang baby? Yeah. In that show? Mm-hmm. I thought I thought Shade was... Is he the guy with the top hat? In, in this one, he is. Um, in in Static, he's just like one of the other gang leaders. Because he's the one that, that runs kind of the underground. I don't... Mm, I'm pretty sure. I don't think... I mean, because he's an established character. I don't think... No, I mean, he shows up in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. He's not in Static Shock. You're thinking of a different character. Who am I thinking of? I don't know. But so they, it's uh, Barry Allen and Billy Bats and The Flash and Shazam. They, I guess they do call him Captain Marvel in this, though, don't they? Ebon. God damn it. Okay, well, there you go. But um, the, they're there to basically try and stop the prison convoy, and they, they capture Brick, but the Shade gets away. And then Shade is taken to the Mad Hatter by cheshire and given like a mind control trip and then he is used by cheshire and the rest of her team including mist i wasn't familiar with and then Livewire, to steal a piece of tech from star labs and so we we kind of see those three vignettes kind of play out in reverse sort of mm-hmm. but in the middle of it we also see uh the tim drake knight or tim drake robin leading a team to go after the mad hatter and clayface and that's where we see spoiler arrowette and Orphan, a.k.a. Cassandra Kane. Mm-hmm. And I love Cassandra Kane, so I was just super excited. Like, I thought that's who that was, but I wasn't sure, because the character doesn't say anything. She's traditionally mute. Yes. Uh, so I was like, super excited for her to be in there. Could you imagine showing this episode to someone who's never seen an episode of like a DC show before? I'd be so fucking confused. Because yes. there's so many characters in this. This is... like I feel like this episode specifically would be in... Po- like, if I was a casual viewer, I wouldn't watch another episode. No, because there's so many characters. It's done in a weird kind of reverse timeline thing which kind of works kind of doesn't but the big reveal of it at the end though is that all of these teams are still being run by batman Mm -hmm. even though one is a justice league mission one is a quote-unquote young justice a team mission and one is done by the outsiders yes um they're all he's running all of them and he's working with aquaman and wonder woman part of this broader plan like this is all a deliberate setup and it was surprising for some just league members but not for others mm-hmm. that he would splinter off and basically just operate even more in the shadows um but i love wonder woman's pushback on it being like are you all prepared to lie 
to get what you want. Like, yeah, how like far? Superman's not going to lie for you. Yeah, so, like, Superman won't lie, and Batman's contingency for her is that she can basically just play the diplomatic immunity card. Yeah. But she's like, for the rest of you, you're all willing to like, lie under oath to achieve this. Like, how close are we getting to being the villains here? Yeah, um, I mean, they, they are basically their own light at this point. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're operating the same sort of methods, and that's mm-hmm. like classic Batman of basically doing whatever it takes to get the job done, even if it means playing the enemy's game and wonder woman just wants to do things as noble as possible, but we'll go down that path. Mm-hmm. Um, again, just showing why wonder woman is such a great character. Cause she does kind of occupy that middle space between Batman and Superman. Yeah. Um, it's great. I, I really like the payoff this episode, especially and just all the random characters they threw in there. So it was really fun. Um, and then home fires, home fires. I fucking, I mean, the, both parts of this episode, I wanted a whole episode on. Yeah. Because I love Lobo. I love that he came back. Yeah, so Lobo was recruited basically Talk just... Talk about this part. Just, we'll just go into just that story first. Yeah. And so, we'll save the better story. Yeah, so Lobo is recruited just to basically test Nightwing to see if he has a new team on behalf of the Light. And the Light's like, okay, he's yes. got a team now. He's got seven team members. But he was paid to... Uh, Kill Forager. Yes, for, for betraying the new gods. Yes. And it's like, I love how Forager gets out of that. Mm-hmm. Just sheds his skin. Just sheds his skin and rolls it out there, and he's just standing there naked. And I love too that he's like slowly regrowing his shell it's as really time gross. goes on. It's really <laughs> it's gross. So gross. Uh, but it's just like such a sweet moment. So like that's like that part's good. Be right. The better part of this though is oh my god, the B story in this was so much fun. Yeah, it was Daddy Daycare the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's all it's the superhero like daycare team up. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to write down everybody. So so the whole thing is that uh, it's Iris. Iris's house, Iris West's house, the yes. Flash's wife, and her two kids who have super speed abilities. God bless her. I know. And then uh, Bart is also there. Bart Allen's there, kind of keeping an eye on things. And I love that he keeps referring to the baby as dad, because it is his dad. And she's yeah. like, stop calling me grandma. <laughs> super fun. But so she's inviting everyone over to the house, and across the street, someone is watching them. We don't know who quite yet. Well, I guess we already said it's Orm. Yes. But we don't care about that, because the parents are so much fun. Yeah, so I try to write down everyone. So it's uh, so it's Iris and the twins and Bart, and then it's Will, aka Roy and Leon. It's Mara and her child with Arthur because oh she was pregnant in season one. Yes, yes, that's right. So, but we still don't know what happened to Arthur. But so she's there with her kid. It's a uh, Rocket and her son Amistad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Bumblebee who's pregnant. She gets invited to join, it, so she shows up. Uh, Red Tornado and I guess his adopted daughter. So he's now in his humanoid body. Yes. Pretty interesting. And then my favorite one, the one I was not expecting, Lois and Jonathan. Yeah. Oh my God. So, okay, here's the crazy thing. So that means that Jonathan Kent, super baby, and Damien are about the same age because there's a comic series going on right now of the two of them. Oh. And I haven't read any of it, but I heard it's pretty solid. I bet that's one of the things they're going to be setting up for the future is like the super kids. Mm Mm-hmm. Like the the world's finest super kids, which would be amazing. Oh my god, I didn't realize they uh, they call the the speeding kids the tornado toddlers. Oh, they do. Yeah. Oh my god, so fantastic. But it's it's just so fun to see all of them interacting together, like having a play date. And I love when uh, Red Tornado shows up and Will makes comment. Oh yeah, it's tough being the only super dad here. Everyone's like, "What? Really? Is it tough? Is it tough? Is it real hard for you?" Yeah. Just shrinks down. Uh, what's the, uh, there's a web comic, God, what is it called? Where it's, it's the, um, it's the Justice League, but they're kindergartners. Oh yeah. I've and seen it before. I can't remember the name of it. 
Hold on, I used to, I used to post them on my Facebook all the time. It's it's really fun. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's kind of in a similar tone to the um the, it, the Justice League Kids episode from JLU. It, it's yes, it's very much in that same kind of art style. God, I love that episode. It's so good. Uh, let me find, let me find um, that thing really fast. But yeah, so when everyone gets to the house, uh, Orm his plan is to use like Neptune's trident to basically just blow up the house and kill everyone in there, mm-hmm. uh, as he refers to it as the nuclear option. And JL8. Then, that's what they call it. Oh, Sorry. that's right. Yeah. That if, if for anyone who hasn't seen or read any JLA comics they're like three or four panel just online comics look them up and it'll just warm your heart for months they're really adorable and there's like 300 of them at this point oh, is there i don't know yeah. so many we got i mean the the woman who does it i think it's a woman puts out one a week and she's been doing it since i want to say like 2014 oh damn I realize, that's amazing mm-hmm. um but yeah so lady shiva shows up She's a new enforcer for the light and basically says like, you can do the nuclear option, but like we've considered this very carefully and you shouldn't. And he goes to do it anyways. And she just cuts his head off. Yeah. Cause that takes balls yeah. to be like, I'm going to kill everyone's kid. Yeah. I'm like, no, that's going to end the world. Yeah. Like whatever like fall from grace he had must've been like really, really severe. Like yeah. we don't, again, it's kind of one of the fun things about the show. We don't necessarily know what happened to him, but we know enough to know that it was bad for him to go this far. Yeah. Um, and for Lady Shiva to just kill him and then like erase the evidence in an instant. I also love Lady Shiva. She's a yeah, awesome She's character. so badass. She's the deadliest woman in the world. Yeah. And, and we get another episode with her. We do. We so get a exciting. lot with her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I've, I've loved her since uh, Hush. I forget. I forget which ones you haven't read. You haven't. I read, have read Hush. You've read Hush Returns, but not Hush. No, no, I, I did read Hush. Oh, you did I, read I did Hush. Have that moment where I thought, I thought it was from an animated film where Huntress comes in to save Batman. Oh yeah, when she comes to the crash Batmobile. Yes. And rescue him. And yes. I'm like, no, that's from like a, that's from a movie. No, it's from a comic. No, 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 that, that was that was a page. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a physical page. It's it a will be a movie image. soon. We will be a movie soon. Uh, but yeah, when she has a like a role in that too, when she basically comes to rescue Talia who's been quote unquote kidnapped by Catwoman. It's a great fight sequence, yeah. but I think Lady Shiva is a great character. So I love they introduced her. Um, but that's yeah, such a fun episode. Again, it's great. They do these like weird little offshoot bottle episodes like this mm-hmm. and, uh, um, rescue. No, not rescue out. Home, home fires. Yeah. Oh, no, no, sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then after this, we start getting into the origin of the new cyborg. Yeah. So this is when it kind of, uh, because, you know, a lot of shows will do this thing, or young, or not young, just, JLU was big on, like, kind of having a bunch of side stories that all kind of come together at the end. Yeah. This was kind of the coming together point. Yeah, like, it was all starting to kind of coalesce a little bit. Yeah. I mean, so what did, how did you feel about this version of Cyborg, his, his origin this time around? Uh, I liked it. I think I, I think I might have said this one thing to you mm-hmm. while the show was live of, and I, you probably heard it, they had the original voice actor for Cyborg yeah. in the episode not voicing cyborg. Not voicing, not voicing cyborg. Victor. And he says booyah. He says booyah. He says booyah a lot. And I got so excited. And it's like the bully classmate. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, come Did on. Did you catch who he's bullying? Wasn't it like Robin? No, it's Cisco Ramon. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was, I, was, I was thinking voice actor. I think it was also, I think it might have also been someone from Teen Titans. Oh, so, uh, was it Scott Manville? The it voice m- of Robin? It might have been. Oh, but I, I, I didn't, I, I forgot it was Cisco that he was bullying. That's yeah. so funny. I know. Like, again, these, like, random little things just thrown in there. Uh, I know Jacob Vargas was the voice of okay. Cisco in that. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, do you like how they handled Cyborg in this version? Just, like, his origin, his characterization? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's pretty consistent for all of New 52. Yeah. Um, they did make him almost a little too straight-laced. Okay. Where I, I wish we could have seen that pressure kind of 
getting to him a little more. Yeah. Where like, you know, him on the phone with his dad, him having to like keep his cool. And then like the second he hangs up, just kind of having like this, his own kind of like internal temper tantrum. Yeah. Uh, I wish we saw that more. So then it meant a lot more when he did go in the office and have his explosion. Like he's been bottling this up for so long. Yeah. Like his dad's been out of the picture for so long that it's just like, yeah. Cause his dad just a workaholic. He never shows up to anything. Yeah. I get that. <laughs> Mom, where are you? <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, I, like, I kind of wish the, his blow up was a little bigger. Okay. And instead of him just tripping over the cord, it was him like throwing, like it not being an accident on his part, but more like, it was it was because of his lack of control yeah. that caused it, and then that leads into his him unable to control Father Box. Mm-hmm. It's like he can't keep himself under control. How is he supposed to, to control Father Box? Yeah, that yeah. would have been cool. Do we even know what that piece of tech was? Because it was the thing that was stolen from Star Labs and made it back to Star Labs. I think I think that was one of the pods that was turning people into metas. Was it? I think it might have. Oh, maybe okay. not one. From Bedlam, but like okay. another version of one. Because when it goes up, it has this big explosion. And it's you had mentioned this both to me before, that this show gets like graphically violent a lot of yeah. the times with Halo. But especially when oh, that's, yeah, I didn't Cyborg's get to make my like, face and is like blown his off. His exposed heart. Yeah, his exposed heart and like eyeball and stuff. It's yeah. really extreme. I forgot about my joke that I wanted to say earlier, where this show isn't called Young Justice. It's called uh, A Thousand Ways to Kill Halo. Well done. Yes, thank you. Well done, Cameron. In the West. Thank you. Thank you. Wanted to, I wanted to really, really highlight my, my comedic prowess <laughs> in this episode. They kill her so many times. So many times. I think it's... at least once in the first, or I think once per episode in the first five episodes. Yeah. There's a lot. Cause yeah. So she, there's the first time she dies, she's thrown into the, like the, the mass grave and she yes. resurrects stuff out of that. And then I think she Dies again in that episode, right? And then she's she, shot in episode two. Because that's next, what, oh yeah, because that's what gives um, Black Lightning the his ability to use his powers. His, his powers come back, yeah. So she's shot. She gets her neck snapped by, by Sensei. By Sensei, she gets speared through the chest by Lobo's like grapple gun. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm missing some more. I think there's like I think there might be two more that I'm also forgetting. It's like. It's I, so funny. It's it's a little over the top. I have I have kind of mixed feelings about it because it's there's not a lot of graphic violence in this. Obviously, there's like all the exposed skin on Cyborg on Victor when he gets like killed or blown up. But the there I I don't know. It's well, I mean it's it's the joke that we used to talk about in BTOS, where if it's not a human, they're gonna fucking destroy it. Well, and I guess. Because she has the ability, we saw ventriloquist get or not ventriloquist. Oh, the Scarface get like shredded. And I guess it's okay. So I have like kind of two ways of looking at it. Because one is it's pretty. It's in some ways she's not the best character maybe doing this too because she is um, like a minority woman who is just constantly like a refugee who's constantly subjected to like horrific violence. Yeah. So that's not good, but I guess the counterpoint to that is that she has the strength to recover from that all the time. That it's also like no matter what you do to her, she'll just keep on going. As some people might say, like, when I get knocked down, I get, get up, back again. up again. Just never, never gonna get, get me, keep down. me down. I get knocked down. God damn you. Hey, you know, it takes a whiskey drink. <laughs> it takes a vodka drink. Maybe a cider drink? I don't remember the next line. <laughs> So I don't know. It's it's. Do you sing the songs that remind you of the good times? I prefer the songs that remind me of the best times. 
Like Johnny Boy? <laughs> is it a Danny Boy? <laughs> is it Danny Boy? I mean, Danny Boy, because like, Danny Boy is an actual song. song. Like, there's a song, said, Danny Boy. I've, I've always sung it. Oh, I, I, Maybe it's Donny Boy. I don't it's, know. It's, da- I'm pretty it's sure probably da- Danny Boy. I think I just sing it wrong. I'm sure you do. Oh, Chumbawamba. Oh, good old Chumbawamba. Um, but yeah, so we get, we get new cyborg who's, who's kind of fine, but yeah, he's possessed by a father box, which is kind of a little different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get one of your favorite episodes, nightmare monkeys. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, oh, and is that, oh no, we, we skipped, uh, another freak. I guess we, we kind of, yeah, I, I kind of combined. Yeah. I kinda, yeah, yeah. There's not a lot. It's just all kind of set up for cyborg. They go to school. Yeah. It's exciting. It's fine. I love school episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then nightmare monkeys. Uh, I love this because I love like I mean I love Beast Boy. Yeah. Uh, and it's just heartbreaking to see, like he's just been abandoned by everybody. Yeah. So it explains his backstory of obviously he had his mom. His mom she, died. She was killed by Queen Bee. Which God, yeah. So then he was adopted by her mom's best friend, who is a last girl from the Doom Patrol. Yes. And then the Doom Patrol all dies. Yep. And so then he is left in the care of Mento, who's Elastigirl's husband. Now, you talked about Mento, I think, during the Doom Patrol episode of Titans, right? Yes. That he's the villain, sort of, of the whole uh, of he's the Doom not, Patrol? He's not the villain. He's just kind of, he's kind of like the, not really the anti-hero. He's just kind of the, the fifth side member who comes in and out. Okay. He is, he, in, in comics, he is married to uh, Elastigirl. Yeah. Um, but in the Teen Titans season five, when we meet the Doom Patrol, he's leading instead of the chief. Okay. Uh, and there's always kind of a little, uh, kind of cold shoulder between him and the rest of the team mm-hmm. because he is, I mean, he, he's almost Batman-esque where he's willing to do anything for the V, for the victory. Uh, sorry, I, I forgot to figure out we're not playing video games, uh, for the W. Gotta get that W. Uh, for yeah, for the win. Um, but yeah, so so in, in in this one, they kind of portray him as the he ran away, and that's why Doom Patrol lost, right? Isn't that what they kind of? It was a little. It was a little hard to follow because it was done in that really fantastic Doom Patrol Go style yes. with all the original I Teen Titans voice cast. Loved that. It was back. so funny. It was really funny. Um, and kind of like a nice lighthearted way to address it. And they just keep talking about the fact that like the team Titans, the Doom Patrol is always going to die. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't remember if it was because Beast Boy was gone. They all were doomed. They all died. Well, is that, I mean, is that the thing? Do they always die? Pretty much. Because they die in Brave and the Bold, right? Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, they let someone die. Oh, and the, okay. the episode goes into how each of them grieved that. Oh, okay. Because I feel like they're just always meant to die and like that that is their purpose though that's they're the doom patrol yeah but like they actually do die it seems like almost always um but yeah so beast boy is left in the care of mento who i guess there was that kind of weird thing where he megan offered to let beast boy stay with him and he decided like then mento claimed parental rights Mm -hmm. to kind of like abuse his like burgeoning stardom or whatever but beast boy went along with it it was kind of well yeah because i think megan megan kind of went off with with uh superboy i mean i, I don't remember exactly because this was yeah a little, a little bit ago um but the implication was that it was beast boy basically chose to stay with mento but try to play it off like he was forced to or like he, he used the i was forced to as an excuse but if he really wanted to he could stay with megan and he just didn't for whatever reason yes 
I wasn't quite sure why. I think, yeah. Maybe it was, it was like, because did Megan remind him too much of his mom or something? I wasn't quite sure where, I they, think were, so. where they were going with it. Yeah. I, 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 I want to rewatch this episode. Because there's a lot going on. Because like, he basically gets trapped inside... Um, his own mind. His own mind as a, a result of a malfunction of the the granny goodness goggles, the good goggles that are floating around, these mm-hmm. VR headsets. Well, it's not a malfunction. Oh, wait. It is. Like, because it, it tries to give him subliminal messaging and then it malfunctions because oh, his yeah, girlfriend okay. takes the, the mask off and he's still trapped inside his own head and Megan mm-hmm. has to come in and save him. But so there's like, he is reliving moments from his own life. He gets trapped inside the Hello, Megan show that his mom was in. He gets in this like... Hello, Megan. Megan. Uh... You know, he gets inside this uh, Doom Patrol Go cartoon and stuff. It's it's a weird episode, but it's really fun and inventive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those I love TV shows or cartoons that do uh, do the like multi like multi show format yeah. like that. Where uh, like I think, and for me, the most famous one is is Fairly Odd Parents Channel Chasers. Oh yeah, where they jump between all the other shows. Um, Scooby Doo did a version of it. Um, there was another like really big one that I don't remember right now. I mean, South Park had had Simpsons in theirs. That's a little different. Uh, but yeah, any anytime they like do that format of a show, it's just so much fun to watch. It is fun, and it's fun to just like have the the different animation styles like jumping around mm-hmm. too. Plus and, I- and the fact that they did the theme song as Doom Patrol. Oh yeah. <laughs> It's so goofy. It's so weird. So we're finally oh, at the end. Oh. Well, actually, hang on. I have one more thing, though, with uh, with Nightmare Monkeys. They spend a lot of time revisiting Wally. Like, they go back to the moment where he disappears and stuff. Do you think that is them setting up his return? It. I mean, that's one of the things. I would love for him to come back. But I also, I feel like it. it's important for him to stay dead. It's kind of this... Yeah, emblem for the team. I know. I'm just curious. I just, they gave they gave him enough screen time that I felt like it was them revisiting that stuff. That's a potential return. Yeah, I I don't know. I we, think the show is is smarter is smart enough to not bring him back. Like I think they might introduce the Speed Force, mm-hmm. and maybe he's stuck there. Okay. Uh, and so maybe that might lead into something for later seasons. Yeah. Of like I don't know. We just, have to, it, it, it just they do love to do that little. You know, as we talked about, this dropping of story points. I was just mm-hmm. curious about that, what your thought was. But, um, but yeah, so now we're at the end. Yes. True heroes, where they go to rescue Tara from a... Uh, a super auction. Yeah, super auction, auction slash, like, fight club. Yeah. I did like that they kind of subverted expectations by having it be, like, a covert pull to get her out of there. Like they just went in and pretended to be part of the auction and basically bought her and smuggled her out. Mm-hmm. Um, also, was everyone there wearing the Court of Owls masks? Yes. That was very interesting. Yeah, I wasn't was like, it? Okay, that's interesting that that's where they're they're going with that, that inclusion. Because mm-hmm. that's very Batman specific. Yeah. Um, and I forget how closely Court of Owls is tied in with Damien. I feel like he's just... I feel like they kind of just happen concurrently, if not necessarily directly tied together. But I'm curious if we're, the next season is going to jump back more to the Bat family with Damien and with Court of Owls. Or it could have been a reference. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know why they chose that specifically, but it was interesting. They went there. I think just because that's like a, a pre-set up secret society. Yeah. That's, uh, that may be why they decided yeah. to do it. Um, it was just already there for them to take. But uh, I also do love when the the teen, team's cover basically gets blown and they have to actually go and fight when Superboy fights the high school junior. Yes. Yeah. That's what I wanted to talk about last week. Yeah. Where I was like, I have to say something like, don't 
say anything. <laughs> and that was what I wanted to talk about was just that conversation. Yeah. I was just like, like, yeah, we're engaged now. It's like, oh, congratulations. That's so, I'm so happy for oh, you yeah, guys. Because uh, I love that it starts out with him like, oh, you took my girl. I mean, I didn't know she was my girl, but she was my girl. And Superboy's like, oh, we're engaged now. And he's like, oh, I thought you guys yeah. were so cute together. It's just, I said Junior is such a weird character. I know. I, that was just such a fun, well, it goofy feel, moment. It, it kind of feels very similar to when Flash went to the villain bar and saw... Um, the trickster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it feels very much in that vein of like... You're on your meds again, are you? You're yeah. off your meds again, aren't you? Caught me again, Flash. Oh, so sweet. Yeah, I, that was really fun. Um, and then, like, while they're going into the rescue mission for Terra, uh, Halo and Cyborg, basically, Cyborg tries to kill her. He keeps trying to kill her. Yeah. Because the father box is trying to kill the mother box. And sh she is able to, like, supposedly purge him of father box entirely, at least what she says. Yeah. I, I kind of hope that's over. Yeah. There's, that's a storyline you can't really do much more with. No. But I, I did think that was kind of interesting that when she was overly emotional, it conflicted with her powers. It's kind of a cliched thing, but I guess it also, they had to give her some sort of weakness because she's one of the most powerful characters now <laughs> yeah. in the whole show. Oh, we skipped to the fact that she can boom tube as well. Yeah, that's one of her colors. It's crazy. So I guess I'm glad they have something for her to do that actually makes her powers a little challenging. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I wasn't super taken with any of the cyborg stuff this time around. Yeah. 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 Cause you know, like I said a minute ago, um, when, like they introduced the whole conflicting with father box, but you can't, like, you can't go any, like he's already taken over. Yeah. And if you do the route of like, Oh, the father box is the spy, then it's just season one again. Yeah. And, and I, they don't need a spy because like, Vandal knows everything. He knows everything. And then also they now have a double agent in there. Yeah. Yeah. We have Tara now. The reveal at the end, um, which I wasn't sure if they were going to go there or not, but I, I'm, I guess I'm glad they are because they're, I, they're pulling more from the comics than I thought they were after like doing this research in the outsiders and mm -hmm. that a lot of the early outsider stuff focused on Brion and Markovia and all this other stuff. Um, so I'm glad they're going there. I'm glad that she's, still can be a force of antagonism on the team. Um, I don't know. It's, it's very, it, it ends at an exciting point. I thought it had that nice sense of closure. I think that the metahuman trafficking is basically done in the latter half. is going to focus on like a new overarching plot. Mm -hmm. um, but there's definitely setting up some stuff. Like you said, we still have to go back and deal with Megan's brother. Um, so to deal with Markovia stuff, all the like Markovia stuff. stuff yeah. There. There's definitely still stuff going on there. Uh, the stuff with Tara. Um, and we haven't really gotten into stuff with apocalypse yet. Yeah, we haven't done anything with Apocalypse yet. Yeah, so I'm just like... Oh, we just man. know why he's so, like, interested in Earth. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we established his motivation, and basically that it's like he and Vandal are going to try and work together to conquer the galaxy, and then once they have, they're going to have to go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Yeah. But, um... That, that immortal big dick contest. Yep, it's an exciting setup, though. Mm -hmm. I hope... I mean, I'm sure we'll get to see that eventually, like Vandal going up against Darkseid. Yeah. It'll probably, like, the, the ultimate thing that happens in the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I was very impressed with the season overall. Yeah. So I, I do have a kind of a, a capstone question for the whole thing, which is, do you think this was the best version of season three of Young Justice we could have gotten? Uh, yes, because I don't know what else they could do. Like they they cover yeah. plots. What they're so good at is covering stories I could have never imagined. Yes, like exactly. nothing about this is a trope or is 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 like a conventional superhero story. 
Um, and so it, it's it's nice to you know see something so fresh. Yeah. Especially since we watch this shit every fucking week. Uh, it's not yeah. not to say that's a negative. Like I no, love- it's not. But like we're we're so immersed in these stories to watch something that feels really distinctly different. Yeah, is nice. You know, Toss was the same episode every time. Yeah, for the most part, and Batman Beyond especially. Yeah, like- is in a very similar place. If it's just villain of the week, uh, and I know once we get to to JL and JLU, that's going to change. Um, but even yeah, even Brave and the Bold was villain of the week. Um, Static is basically villain of the week. Yeah, it, it's nice to see long form superhero storytelling. Because I mean, this is just like this is just comics come to life now. It really is, and you know, because it's they're always going to be going up against villains, obviously. But still, a lot of the conflict comes from within the team itself, mm-hmm. and it never feels manufactured or melodramatic. Like it all feels organic to the characters and their situations. Yes, and it's it's really well written. Yeah, and like. I think this basically is the best version we could get. Like, I, I imagine that a lot, like broad strokes, probably would have been pretty similar if we had gotten to season three way back in the day, um, compared to now. I feel like the only scene they would have had to take out was just Megan and Connor uh, when she's like, "I'm wearing the ring." He's like, "What is he wearing? Nothing." Oh, they would have kept that in. I, they not on Cartoon Network. I think Absolutely so. I, not. They, they get a little racy sometimes. I think they would have had to cut out the part with like Victor's body being like flayed open by an explosion <laughs> and the constant halo deaths. Yeah. But I mean, because it's all the same creatives back again, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that this is more or less what we would have gotten. I think there's some more like contemporary elements to it, obviously, and some little things are different. But I think this is pretty solid. Like what we were saying earlier, this show establishes that what it does differently is it evolves. Yeah. And I mean, even just the, you know, every season has a different title. Yeah. And that alone just shows like, oh, we're going to do something completely different. Yeah. And it, like, I still I think for me still season one is the best. Yes. Um, but that being said, seasons two and three are just really good storytelling. Mm-hmm. Still, it's really good. I'm going to enjoy it. So, yeah. Side of her, whatever we get for the latter half. Uh, I think, I think I'm going to save Alita conversation for next week. Cause okay. I, I really, I want to talk about the, the, the hidden 16s. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so keeping on, on track with uh, Young Justice, there's something that I that I learned recently that some of the some of our listeners might have already known about. But there's a there's a kind of a a creator secret inside every episode uh, revolving around the number sixteen, where every episode has a reference to this number in one way or another. Uh, all going all the way back to episode one. So I wanted to just list some of my favorite ones because it's one of those like things just for the just for the super nerds and who are oh, we yeah. except that yeah um definitely that so in, in the first episode superboy is 16 weeks old when he's found miss martian Wait, is so i think you got to clarify that 16 is hidden everywhere oh yeah yeah. So, Six, yeah the, the number 16 is referenced like in every episode in some capacity yes in one way or another uh yeah so superboy is 16 weeks old when they're when he when he's found miss martian is 48 in martian but has the appearance of a 16 year old earth Earthling, uh, Aqualad, Garth, and Tula are all 16 in season one. Jaime and Ty uh, Longshadow are 16 in season two. There are 16 members of the Justice League in season one. It's crazy. Uh, Wally turns 16 in Cold Hearted. Failsafe, which is my favorite episode, is the 16th episode. <laughs> uh, but it also takes place on October 16th. Yeah. Uh, the Justice League members are missing for 16 hours. Uh, and there's a couple more in season two, but I just wanted to highlight the the best one and the saddest one is the scarab tells Jaime 
that Wally only has 16 seconds left to live. Aww. I was like, fuck, man, that one hurts. Uh, Victor slash Cyborg's jersey is number 16. Uh, and then in the most recent episode, Tara is the 16th item up on the meta auction. And it's also the paddle number that uh, Artemis has. Really? When she's bidding. Yeah. Oh my God. That's crazy. So we don't know why 16 specifically. We just know that 16 yeah, is. Yeah. But it's one of those things where like, like now I'm going to be looking for it. Yeah. But until then, like reading the list of how many there were, it's almost unbelievable that we didn't see it. Yeah. I had never, yeah, I never noticed it. That's so fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you're going to go rewatch all of it again and try and find all the, all the 60s. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like we said before, this is a, a super rewatchable show. It's mm-hmm. it's amazing. Um, I absolutely, absolutely love it. It's also the name of the opening song from High School Musical 2. That's great. <laughs> I'm sure that was a deliberate poll. <laughs> that's probably where they got the idea from. I'm sure. that's They just watched that and like, it has to be this. Yeah. Everything has to be High School Musical from this point on. In the latter half of season three, Zach Efron will voice every character oh in the show. Oh, my God. Um, Dreams. I mean, we did get Jesse McCartney. What did he do? What else has he done? He uh, he was someone in season one. Right? I mean, Jesse McCartney is the voice of Nightwing. Yes. But like, what did he do outside of Young Justice? What do you mean? What did he, he was a singer. He's a very famous singer. But which, what was he like? Was he, was he his own singer? Was he part of a band? No, he, he was his own. He was a Disney singer uh, in kind of the mid-2000s. He had a cameo on Hannah Montana. Um, uh, Cameron, you, he, Beautiful Soul was a very popular song. Cameron, I think you got to remember that, especially when we were growing up, outside of like DC comic related stuff, there was not a lot of overlap in the sort of stuff we were watching. Beautiful Soul, She's No You is a great one. I, I don't... like. I, I think he was in initially part of Dream Street. Yeah, I would definitely right? not know him from his early days as part of like the young Disney kid, <laughs> Disney Channel crowd. That that is uh, not really my wheelhouse of stuff. So, uh, wasn't he was also Roy, right? Yeah, he's Roy in uh, Arrow. No, no, that's Colton Haynes. You're right, but they look very similar. Oh, um, <laughs> I mean, ish. Like Colton Haynes is much better listening than Jesse McCartney. Yes, but Jesse McCartney was also, um, I think he was first choice uh, for that role. Okay, well then the the better person won out. Yeah, I'm just saying. I love him as Nightwing, but don't you dare take my Colton Haynes away from me. Um, yeah, he was he was. I mean, he's most popular for for his singing career. <laughs> Good on. Oh him. yeah, he's uh, Roxas in Kingdom Hearts. That's great. Okay. Well, he's Theodore in the Alvin and the Chipmunk series. That's a good pull. I mean, yeah, these are all the places I would know him from, obviously. Yes, clearly. Wait, is, is he is he related to a Backstreet Boy? No, you're thinking of Aaron Carter. Okay. Fucking I don't see I don't know. I don't know any of this Nick sort of Carter, stuff. I don't know these boy bands. The less attractive blonde of the Backstreet Boys. It's well established that I don't know anything about contemporary music, even though this is old, but it was contemporary once, so I didn't know anything about it. Um but alright, I think we've done it. At yes. this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll call it a day. We'll call it a day. So we'll be back next week to get back into uh, season three season three of Batman Beyond. Uh, but if you have thoughts on Young Justice, I certainly hope you do because it's fantastic. What is your favorite Jesse McCartney song? Yes. Please write to us uh, at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Let us know what is your favorite piece of work from Jesse McCartney that is not Young Justice. Yeah. Uh, and I am personally at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. Please direct all answers specifically towards 
Chris. Yes. All yes. Just flood my inbox with references to Jesse McCartney. Yes. Uh, and you can find me either at uh, Cameron.dexter or camdexter underscore adventures. Right on, right on. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.